I believe education is everybody's business because education in every context is the foundation of freedom and democracy. Get inspired. Transform your life. Welcome to Best Interest Radio. So today on the podcast, we have Stuart Murray, and funny enough, you know, Stuart is a teacher, and today we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is, uh, you know, some solutions and things that could change in the school system, and I'll talk a little bit about my experiences, and he'll talk a little bit about his, but I would say that Stuart isn't just a teacher, he's a he's a human being who wants the world to be better, and, he, and you know, it starts with our children, so... Anything you add to that, Stu? Or no, that's, a, that's a good summary. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, right on. Yeah. So I guess we can you know, just start from the beginning. And, uh, you know, you sent me an article that uh, you wrote a while ago talking about a little bit about what you did with the, uh, the middle school. Now, maybe for any, because not everybody has read that, right? Or not everybody knows your history. So maybe you could give the audience just a little bit of your history about what I read today, basically, if you like. For sure. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, that, uh, it really came together because I, I entered education to do things differently. Yeah. I didn't feel that my needs were fully met in education. And since leaving the education system, I had a lot of time to percolate and reflect on my experiences and my experiences as a human being. And after traveling the world, living in India, studying yoga and mindfulness and experiencing time on permaculture farms and in different areas, I really had a passion to come back and, and shift the system here with a vision to, to transform and inspire young kids to make a difference. And as I got into education, the first year I ended up teaching math at the middle school level. And it really was a challenge for me. I had a, I had a hard time. And as that was going, you know, I was really finding a difficult balance between teaching to the curriculum and what was expected of me and also sharing what I believe these kids could use to grow up as courageous and compassionate individuals that would make a difference in society. And after the end of my first year, I had enough issues dealing with behavior and disengagement that I told the principal I'm ready to quit. Yeah, and, and I remember reading like one of those things was that the students, uh, they didn't feel connected to what they were learning and then the teachers also didn't feel connected with what they were learning and so that would rub off a little bit. On the students too, right? Yeah, we had 600 middle school students. So grade 6 to 8, you know, yeah. 11 to 14 year olds redeveloping their prefrontal cortex, yeah. trying to figure out who they are, yeah. raging hormones, and we had 600 of them yeah. in the building. You know, so you stack that on top with a group of frantic teachers trying to do the best they can to follow the guidelines and the curriculum and educate these kids. But often what we would see is that the kids didn't care about the, the outcomes that we had to teach them. And 
oftentimes that manifested as behavioral issues mm -hmm. and teachers were just burnt out from constantly having to address behavioral issues just day in and day out and and really intense stuff mm -hmm. and so in talking with the principal about this we decided to create a space in the school that could be an alternative therapeutic site for kids to help them have their needs met and bridge the gap between teachers and students so both sides could be understood and we could you know find more peace within the school and, and work towards uh, a common goal of preparing these kids for life mm -hmm. one thing that really stuck out to me from what i read is that you know you had a classroom full of 28 students and 14 of them were on uh, individualized le uh, lesson plans yeah and and so i taught five classes a day and each class was roughly 45 minutes long and in between that span i was expected to teach a, a significant amount of curriculum outcomes yeah. throughout the year yeah. and each class had anywhere between 25 and 28 kids mm -hmm. and you have 45 minute piece and then the buzzer would go and that group of kids would be shuttled out and a new group of kids would come in mm. and plunk down and within those groups yeah there was 14 in some of my classes personalized learning plans wow. so that included behavioral issues that included yeah. learning disabilities that included you know you name it yeah. and it's a teacher's job to do that on the scale you know that you add that up that's roughly 120 kids yeah. and over 50 personalized learning plans yeah, that's like a that's a powerful statement, whatever you want to call it there to me, because it just goes to show that each human being is is so unique and is meant to be worked with individually. And those needs, through my experience and through my observations, don't don't seem like they're being met at at the best way or the top level that they possibly could be. Yeah, and, and I, I was really recognizing that. And you know, a teacher often gets frustrated when they're asked why are we doing this and you know to some degree shame on us because that is a child you know in your sense it may seem like defiance or, or whatever have you but that's a child's way of exercising critical thought mm -hmm. and if we don't have an answer better than well you need this for for next year or a grade nine or because you're gonna have a test on it then I don't blame a child for disengaging mm -hmm. if that if there is no more relevance to what they're learning in their lives beyond where well, you're gonna be tested on it or you need to know this for grade 10 mm -hmm. then I I really understand and I can empathize with somebody who would disengage with that kind of content mm -hmm. and when that becomes your pattern of showing up to a building every day with adults that you don't particularly relate to and are teaching you content that doesn't seem to have much relevance in your day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. and you do that for 12, 13 years, mm -hmm. of course you're going to see that downhill slide of engagement that we do yeah. and with it, disengagement comes behavioral issues, comes all of these things, you know, and so we're as an educator trying to put out fires all the time. So do you see, uh, you know, working in the school system, do you see, maybe it's starting to change, but 
these behavioral issues or are they just trying to find behavioral solutions rather than focus on like why getting to the source of why they're having behavioral issues to begin with which is part of like the the individualized learning that we're talking about here totally and yeah. i think uh you so know, ultimately sorry to cut you off no. if, you know if we're happy we're not gonna feel the need to to, to you know disobey or act out in class or anything and I mean, part, I myself in school, I grew up and I had a lot of behavioral problems and, you know, like I put my mom through hell growing up and she's a great mom and everything. It was just like at school, like I didn't like authority, I didn't like the way schools run. Uh, it's almost like I, I knew that there was a bigger problem that needed to be fixed, but I didn't know how to express it. And it came out in anger and frustration, defiance and all that stuff where I think like if somebody maybe have, and actually the teachers or the EAs that did connect with me at an individual level and made me feel like I was worth something, uh, that's actually when I exhibited the greatest change. And yeah, certainly, I mean, that would have made such a big impact for me and like I know it can... I mean, it's it's a long road to get there, but um, it's got to start somewhere, right? It starts with the intention. Totally. Yeah. And you, you touch on a lot. I know. Of things, yeah. A lot of things that I could unpack points. there, but yeah, you know, one thing that comes to mind is that I think the role of authority in schools is there and it's important. You know, there is a power yeah. dynamic, but how we command authority has to be reflected on, mm -hmm. and we've for so long attempted to command authority yeah. through fear rather than through respect. Yeah. And to this point, you know, these teachers who you felt took the time to get to know you as a person yeah. were somebody that perhaps you'd give more time and attention and respect to listen to and see the humanness in them mm -hmm. as well. So it can create a dynamic that, wow, I feel heard, I feel listened to, I want to return that. Mm -hmm. You know, this, this is somebody that cares about me and I feel a degree of safety that I can talk to them about when something's bothering me yeah. because I have a philosophy that behavioral issues are a child's poor way of expressing an unmet need. Yeah, absolutely. I would totally agree with that because oftentimes, even as adults, I mean, we express ourselves emotionally in these different ways, whether it be anxiety or anger. And it's, it's because we have unmet, unmet needs or unprocessed emotions or experiences that we really need to, to go through. And, uh, you know, to go back to the authoritarianism or whatever you want to call it in school, that's what I felt. You know, I, I mentioned specifically that like, I didn't like authority. And uh, I think it's, be, it, it's because there wasn't much leadership being demonstrated. Like, that's the thing it, we have to change change it from authority to leadership I think mm -hmm. it's a really powerful thing and not just in the school but in life in general like becoming leaders and not I don't want to say dictator because that has a bad rap to it but just like you know you don't want to be a commander you're not like a general of an army like you're a leadership you demonstrate what is good and you, you teach others and part of teaching others what they need to know is also understanding that they're only doing the best they can in the ways that they know how. And sometimes that way is not very good at all. Mm -hmm. And to kind of understand that and get to their level and be like, okay, like this child, like 
let's look at his background. Let's look at where's what needs are being met at home. What all this stuff that teachers don't even have the time to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, to go kind of wrap that up, and we'll start with to go back to that story um, of the article I read, and you had all these students in your class and in the school, and there's these they're demonstrating behavioral problems, and you spoke to the principal, and she was on your side, and she started to, you guys started to work towards change, and yeah, yeah. So, so what happened there is she creatively pared down a lot of the um, certain courses so that she could free up an employment within her school. So, you know, the, the school itself is given a certain amount of staff. She pared down a few classes to free up one full staff member to be able to oversee this center in this space. And in the first month, I, did, I created this data tracking system so anytime a child had to be removed from class because they were disrupting the learning environment, was tracked, noted, a conversation was had with the student and ideally a follow-up with the teacher. Yeah. In September, you know, you're getting in and you're, it's just kind of the, the housewarming time. So normally it's a, a pretty okay stage until you, you dive in and they get comfortable. Yeah. We had 50 plus students Mm-hmm. removed from class in that month mm-hmm. in the following month in October that number increased to almost 90 wow. so if you're following any kind of trend there <laughs> that's an alarming issue yeah. Oh yeah. and as you start to break that down you know, 90 kids or 90 occasions where a student is being removed from the learning environment because they don't have the capacity to maintain what is required of them in that environment for whatever reason maybe they woke up on the wrong side of the bed maybe they don't care at all you know whatever Mm -hmm. sometimes one child would be removed four five times a day out of six classes so talk about that would have been like me as a kid yeah (laughs) and we're spinning our wheel and and then that you come back the next day and you encounter that again and so, and has this been getting like worse over the years? Like, the, has the, have the teachers been noticing that? Like the behavior. From what I hear, this is a, a growing concern and a growing issue, and I think that comes from many, many, many different reasons. And yeah, I don't necessarily want to speculate about why that's increasing. Yeah, but uh, we definitely have a more challenging time commanding authority through fear. And so when we try and maintain that grasp and the only thing you're holding on to is trying to keep a kid in line based on commanding through fear, yet you have almost no structures in place. There's no strap anymore. There's no, there's less discipline at home in some families. So, you know, we only have so many ability or so much capacity to be able to enforce consequences from a perspective of fear. So commanding through fear, in a sense, it contributes, or maybe it is um, giving someone a direction and telling them where they should go. And commanding, or uh, and the opposite of that would be, you know, leading. And leadership is about showing somebody that they they know the direction to go within themselves, and they can create that direction within themselves rather than waiting for somebody to do it. 
And I think that goes on to, and maybe uh, I don't mean to jump ahead of it, but uh, part of the thing that you created was uh, you, were, you, you asked them questions before and after. And you also, one of those questions I believe was, did they believe that they could start their own business or something? And a lot of them didn't believe that they could. Yeah, I don't, that wasn't a question, but that was a theme yeah. that came It was up. a theme, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind and of what I was referring to. Like, so what, what happened, like these people you're talking about, yeah. to go back and give some context, these kids in particular that were being kicked out multiple times yeah. a day were, were a flag in, in this system and, you know, the high flyers that we would recognize. Yeah. And so what I did is I pulled 10 of them out as an experimental project and pulled them out full days for 10 weeks. And I said, we're going to strip back curriculum, we're going to strip back all of this focus, and we're going to do a heavier dose of social-emotional learning, mm -hmm. uh, mindfulness and self-regulation practice, mm -hmm. uh, passion projects and exploration of their own strength and mm -hmm. interests, and other tools to build this kind of capacity within them. And at the start of this, I asked four questions. I said, is there an adult in the building that you feel safe to talk to? Do you have a choice in what you're learning? Are you interested in what you're learning? And do you take time to reflect on who you are and where you're going in life? Mm -hmm. And all of those responses from those 10 kids came back as either strongly disagree or disagree mm -hmm. at the start of this program. And that's like, it's heart-wrenching. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really a key insight into understanding why we're spinning our wheels and we're feeling the frustration but knowing that without this fundamental human need being met how do you expect to check off any curricular box mm -hmm. you can't yeah you just can't and that's a fundamental understanding of of human psychology mm -hmm. and so when i took these kids in we started and it was challenging. You know, I got in and frequently questioned at the start, what have I gotten into? Because the behaviors were dramatic. It was just hard to keep up with everything. Mm -hmm. But then step by step, we slowly started to find a groove. And we would talk about compassion, respect, honesty, fairness, mm -hmm. responsibility, and how to embody those universal values, it takes courage. Because it's easy to do it when you're happy, but it's hard to do it when you're facing some anger or some frustration inside to actually maintain and be honest or mm -hmm. to be respectful or responsible. Those times takes courage. Mm -hmm. And we had those discussions on a daily basis. We had tools to practice self-regulation. What do you do when you feel your heart pounding? What do you do when you feel your palms sweating? Rather than take that out and ripping a locker apart, how can you turn that into something positive and an opportunity for growth? Mm -hmm. And on the daily, these were conversations and practices that we integrated. And these are conversations they probably haven't had in their life before that, beforehand. Many of them certainly were not getting it at home full on. And if they were, it wasn't being reinforced at school. Yeah. Because teachers had curriculum to do. Yeah. And so it was at least clear they didn't have the capacity or the tools to put it into practice. Mm -hmm. 
And on top of that, you know, when we started getting into projects, as you mentioned, one project that I introduced them to was the opportunity to start their own businesses. And some of them took right up into it and they were right on the ball and fired up, ready to go. But there were a few who had a high resistance. And one in particular that I remember absolutely said, no, I will not do this. And it wasn't because he didn't want to, but he didn't have the words to say that he didn't believe in himself. Yeah. And to, like, to sit back and reflect, how can a kid go through eight years of school and be convinced that he's not good enough to accomplish a goal that he sets out to do? Yeah, already. And I mean, kids are supposed to be imaginative, right? Imaginative, for yeah, sure. Supposed to be dreaming about being a rapper or the president or whatever. Right, <laughs> right. And so it took four weeks for me to break through with this guy. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know. I kept trying and trying. And then one day we, we connected the project to a passion that he had with art and recognized that he could do something with this. And then all of a sudden there was a light switch. Yeah. And along with that project digging in, there was a behavior change. And you could start to see that when addressed on a behavioral issue that would arise, you could talk to him about it. There was something inside of him that could start to take responsibility for a misdirected action. Mm -hmm. He started to have enough of a sense of self, you know, enough uh, belief that he's good enough Mm -hmm. to be able to say, yeah, I can take ownership over this. But I started to realize up until that point, he had not enough confidence to accept responsibility for his actions and to recognize the impact that his actions have on others. But as he got going, you know, this kid, his project became phenomenal. And at the end of it, these, these students hosted a marketplace where the community was invited in, their fellow classmates. And within a three hour span, this group of 10 sold for over $1,000 worth of their product. Oh, really? Oh. They donated 10% or more of that to a local organization that they chose. And they chose the local bike co-op, a group that had come in and actually offered workshops with them oh, on yeah. how to repair bikes and donate them back to the community. That's amazing. So that was meaningful to them, and they chose to yeah. give it back to this yeah. community. And this kid, you know, two stories for you. One... The mother told me once, she said, we were driving in the car one day and this, this boy, he, he also is very electronically inclined and wants to now become an electrician. And the mother said, you know what, if you pursue this and you go through all the stages, you could start your own business one day. He said, yeah, yeah, I could. Mm-hmm. And the mother just broke into tears. Because that's something she'd never heard yeah. that her boy could say or have the belief in himself to do that. Wow. And one year later, after this program had been finished, after that support had been removed, yeah. this boy had been given the turnaround award for the entire school. Oh, wow. Recognized by his staff members and the peers around him yeah. for the achievements he had been made in turning his life around. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, that'll last with him forever. You know, it'll stick with him for a lifetime. And that's a powerful thing, you know. Teachers make such a big 
powerful impact and I think you know we as humans a lot of us kind of forget how powerful even just a few sentences can impact somebody's life and not even sentences sometimes it's just being present with somebody and listening like we can have such a big positive impact on people and facilitate or help hold space for them to facilitate change from the smallest things and teachers are in such big roles that I mean depending on what you do with it you can either like positively impact a student for the rest of their life or the opposite so I mean if we, the more we recognize this and the more we realize that we can use our, our uh, positions for good to make a positive impact on the children the greater our world will be as a result like um, I, I think like this whole example of what you went through like you essentially uh, you know you got back from traveling India for years that gave you a new perspective on how the world runs you wanted to bring all the lessons you learned and integrate them in with the this current school system as a teacher whenever way you possibly could and it's inspiring to me that you actually did that like you actually did exactly what you set out to do and uh, you, know, you came back you simply just observed what was around you and you were like what what can I do with my own little hands and my own personal world to make a difference around me uh, and it all starts with the questions like what can I do like what can I do in this moment I know I can't do everything but what can I do in this little school in a small town and those questions need to be asked more because there's gonna there's a lot of people not even in the school system and other positions in society where I don't think we realize that all we have to do is, is just start with asking that question like, what can I do what can we do there has to be some thing that we can do to start the change mm -hmm. it's not going to be instant we plant the seed of change right and uh, I mean it seemed to happen pretty fast for you for that moment I mean you essentially created a, a job but I, I don't really like to say that because to me it was like the job was needed there in the world and you were the person that filled that gap and there needs to be more people like you who step up into the leadership role and take advantage and seek out opportunities to create change and understand that they're not alone and it's not going to be hard when we all work together because you have the same views and the same ideas as probably like a million other teachers in this world but you know a lot of those other teachers might not realize the power that and the change that they could create if they, if they banded together and created a mastermind really to make it take it even greater because I mean you did that for was it a full year and then you know the funding there wasn't enough funding to keep it going well the conservative province. government came in and, Sorry, okay, yeah. and cut the funding okay yeah yeah so it was yeah. you know, quite unfortunate in that way but you know I tell 
my students and I tell people that one thing I've learned is I don't try and focus on what I want to be. I really direct my energy and intention into who I want to be. Yeah. Because the labels shift and change all the time. Yeah. I've worked countless jobs. Exactly. Yeah. But I want to align my values and beliefs with how I act in the world and how I show up. Mm. And opportunities come when we do that, when we have the courage to lean into our values and make them something that's living within us and that sends out a ripple. And I really believe that the more I consciously align with my values and my actions, the closer I close that gap and the more courage I have to lean into that, the more opportunities are going to open up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, you, you did that when you first got into teaching. So I mean, it's only going to expand from here and then you're going to you already did inspire other teachers, whether you know them, talk to them or not. And, uh, you know, it's really inspiring for me because I feel the same as you know. I'm so passionate about creating a change in the world. I and mean, that's why I started Best Interest is literally just to, to show people that when they change themselves, they can change the world because it's the, it's the ripple effect. Totally. And I totally relate to this whole topic because I like I said I, I grew up and I was the the troublemaking kid in, in class I would disrupt or I would I would be the class clown messing with the supply teacher or just being angry and frustrated or whatever and that lasted like all all through school like I think grade 12 it stopped maybe it's tapered down a little bit mm-hmm. to the point like where like, I had so many problems like they blamed my mom they like thought she was like the worst mom ever like, she's a single mom too and stuff and they blamed it on that but like my mom's a good mom and she, like it really was just my own being my own personality and I just did not fit in with the way the school system was run and I was like, I'm literally like a, like a prime example of that. And to, like I was going to say to the point that where I'm a massage therapist, I've been a massage therapist over, over seven years. And when I first started working as a registered massage therapist, um, I worked for a massage addict and there was a clinic in Moncton, a clinic in Dieppe, I guess there still is, but the clinic in Dieppe was owned or co-owned by none other than my grade four teacher and I had been working at the Moncton one for a couple of weeks and then I ended up going to the DF one for a shift or for they were showing me around or whatever some kind of interview and uh, I saw her and I'm like oh she's like oh and she looked at me like she thought I was supposed to be in jail <laughs> type thing like she was so surprised that I was like a massage therapist and like I didn't end up statistically I guess the way other kids end up and uh, I, I think it was good that I provided that demonstration that not every kid with problems ends up keeping the problems I guess and 
but it just goes to show. I mean, I had a hard time with her. Like, we clashed quite a bit, and um, you know, she's obviously as an adult, like we get along great. Everything's fine because we understand life a lot more. But I don't think it was a problem with her. I think it was just a problem with the limited tools and resources she had to deal with me as in the school system. You know, I think that's all it really was. Like, I needed somebody. And as I got older through school, like, and I would get like, I was a kid that would always get like in school suspensions and stuff. And they put me, and this is another thing too, <laughs> that, uh, you don't need to comment on this. You feel like you can or want to, but, um, I was put into isolation and they, they literally like, sometimes they just put me in a broom closet. I don't know if that was cause of all the, the room they had or whatever. And they would just put me in there by myself with eight hours of work for an entire day. Like just as a kid. And like, what do you do when you're a kid and you're in a room by yourself, separated from society, from the social interactions, which humans so desperately need, especially a kid who already has problems, especially as a kid who already has a hard time paying attention and like focusing on things that he doesn't want to do. And I was bored out of my mind. Like I went crazy. I, I think I developed like some sort of like, coping mechanisms that may or may not have been healthy to like deal with staying in that isolation period for such a long time and so frequently too like it happened all throughout school like like I said up until grade 11 or grade 12 and I don't think that was the best way to deal with things because to me that's just like like I get it like I I messed up like I whatever I you know, I can't help it. I look back, I'm like, whatever, that was just me at the time. Like, I'm sorry I bothered any teachers or, any, or anyone at all, or any of my classmates, freaked them out or whatever. Like, I'm sorry I messed up. I admit to my mistakes. Um, but putting me in a room by myself alone, and I don't know if they've changed this ever since then, but, I mean, that was not a solution. That created just a different problem, separate from the one that was cause in the first place because that just like is you're you're literally just hiding a problem like i jordan was causing a problem so let's put jordan in a room by himself to hide the problems so that he can't get in anybody's way that doesn't fix the problem it just hides the problem temporarily and so i come back out and what would happen i'd get in tr trouble in some way shape or form another time and then they would put me back in there and i never ever learned from it i learned from other things but not from the isolation. I learned from people talking to me. I learned through experience, like just growing up and my family and everything, but I never learned from those punishments. And uh, I really hope that they're getting better today. I mean, I think every day, like we, we try to improve on things. And you know, my son, like he's a lot like me when I was a kid. So, I mean, I have noticed at the school system is a lot better with uh, working with kids like me who experience that so that's really good but I definitely think there needs to be more of a I think it goes down to like an individual individualization of things but as I got all the way through school I mean I started to find the things I like I guess anybody gets older and like I you know I realized I was creative like I, in high school, I was pursuing media studies and I was going to go to film school and I wanted to be a film editor and a screenwriter. 
I discovered that was one of my passions, and uh, no wonder I couldn't sit in math class. I'm not a mathematician. I'm a creative mind. You know, I make movies. I still still make movies. I have ideas for movies I'm gonna make. I create podcasts. I have a, I'm a musician. I've always been that. The only difference is when I was a kid, nobody brought that out within me. And got me to expand on that other than, you know, like my dad and my mom. And school got in the way of me pursuing those things. And I understand we need to we need to learn things and pursue things that we're weak at because that's actually how we grow stronger and the things we're, that we're good at as an example, as a musician. You know, if you're good at chords, chord sequencing, you're, you're not going to practice chords you're going to practice scales because you're bad at scales and that make that'll make you a better musician overall and so for me as a creative mind like it makes me better creatively if i do math you can learn some logic learn i've always been good at english because that's part of like creative and, and stuff um or sciences or, or whatever i mean but the, i think the difference is here is like if let's say hypothetically somebody worked with me growing up and they were like, they uh, got me to pursue my passion at an early age, creatively. And, if, you know, I'm going to be, I was five years old, like I don't even think there was video editing programs accessible to the public back then. Um, but it would be something creative nonetheless. And if somebody had been like, okay, Jordan, we're going to, like, you're really good at these things. We're going to expand on them for you. Like, you're going to do this. This is going to be the main part of your schooling, your teaching. But along this, you're going to learn science and math and English and social studies and French. Because and they would tell me the reason why. And the reason why you're going to learn those, Jordan, is because it's going to help you. If you learn a little bit of all these, it's going to help you expand on your, your uh, creative passions. Because it'll make you more of a holistic person. It'll, it'll reflect into your creative works. And I think that would have given me like a lot more like understanding. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Well, I'm going to have less of a problem learning these things if I understand why I'm learning them and I have a reason and a meaning for them. Because when I grew up, they would uh, they just kind of like, here, learn this. Well, why do I have to learn this? This is totally irrelevant to my life, let alone my life in the future. Like, well, you just learn it because you have to, because it's part of the curriculum, because you just, just have to learn it. If you want to pass, you have to learn it. And you have to pass so that you can graduate, so that you can go to college, so that you can get a better job than some that's minimum wage. But that's not a good enough reason to, to learn these things. And the, I think the examples I gave are really good reasons. And someone it might be automotive, you know, like, okay, you're really, you're fascinated with cars and how they work and the mechanics of them. Let's, let's elaborate on that with you starting as a child. And along with that, we're going to learn math and science and everything, science of all that, incorporate it with what you're doing. And, oh yeah, and you have to eat, so let's include some gardening with that too, because you're not going to eat oil or parts, you need to eat food. So while you're working on your car, on your break, while you're eating your sandwich, you can water your garden. And we'll show you how to plant the seeds and we'll show you how to harvest them. And while you're, while you're at it, you know, you're going to fix the broken light bulb. 
fixture in your house. Like, those types of things. I mean, that's like a... I'm talking about the big picture of things, and it's uh, something that we totally need to integrate into our learning in whatever way, shape, or form. But it starts with the idea, any sort of innovation, any sort of creation, it all starts with the, the thought. It all starts with your imagination, um, the questions, the setting the intentions uh, as an in individual, as a community, and as a, as a globally, as an earth. So that's my kind of whole view to sum, sum it up. You know, yeah. Growing up. I don't know. You were talking for a while. I don't know which part to address. comes to mind first. I feel like I had to let that off my chest. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm glad it's yeah. pulling out some passion within you because mm. I believe education is everybody's business. Yeah. And it's not up to simply teachers to make all of this change. What I have observed is that we have often become very passive pawns within our democracy and we forget that the government works for us, that we need to demand what's best for, mm -hmm. for each of us as individuals and you know, education and healthcare ought to be more of a priority for all of us mm -hmm. because kids might be only a quarter of our population, but they're 100% of our future. Mm -hmm. And we need to consciously direct our efforts and have critical thought and discussions about what's best for, for each one of them and to meet them where they're at to the best of our ability. And for sure, we've been caught up in a rat race of just trying to keep up, mm -hmm. just trying to follow these agendas and a lot of prescriptive style learning that has been dictated by people who don't spend much time in the classroom and don't observe the needs yeah. of students, of teachers, of parents. And so it is a challenge, but there are amazing things happening within the school system yeah. that are empowering the young mechanics. Yeah. And not only, you know, you are talking about learning science and math, and I would say, well, go beyond that, chunk them all together. The, why compartmentalize learning yeah. into subject areas? Yeah. Because within a gardening lesson, you can learn about science, you can learn mathematics, you can learn English language, French language and expression. Yeah. You can learn social studies and the dynamics of food. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah, boundless. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, absolutely. We have been talking more about a focus of cultivating 21st century skills like critical thinking, collaboration, yeah. citizenship, yeah. problem solving, you know, all of these big, big concept ideas. But what I observe right now is a balance between still trying to check off every single box and developed experiential, authentic, relevant learning situations for kids that allow them to explore their world in a cross-curricular context and unpack that in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And that's a difficult thing to reconcile, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. But we as citizens need to have our voice heard and democratically engage in education for our kids, for their kids, for the future of this planet. Yeah. 
because education in every context is the foundation of freedom and democracy. Absolutely. And if we don't participate in that actively mm-hmm. and think critically and question where we're going and why, mm-hmm. then we're going to continue to perpetuate a messy situation and hand down something to our children that we probably won't be too proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think even now in this day and age, like it's all these systems, school, governments, whatever else, food, it's crying out for change more than ever before because we're realizing that they're just not working anymore. We're, we're realizing that, that we need a change and if essentially we wouldn't have realized unless the negative uh, impact has happened. I mean, we, it's, it's almost like a trial and error thing. <laughs> well, we just tried it out for a while and it didn't work and now I realize we need to change and that's what we're doing. And the more we talk about these things, the more we have in our minds, the more we'll put action into making it happen. This is why conversations like this are important, and to think think about more about this, and and uh, you know the average listener, you know you, you can only do what you can in your own life. So if somebody's listening, like you're not, like for me, I'm a massage therapist, for example. I mean, what can I do with the school system other than talk about it on a podcast? <laughs> I can change the world in my own life by helping other people feel better with their quality of life, for example. But, you know, recognizing that everything that we do, there always is going to be room for improvement. And that's, that exactly is what makes life interesting. It's like, you know, if you're on earth, like nothing's perfect. And that's kind of like the beauty of it because it keeps you driven to go forward and to constantly improve. Like the Japanese word Kaizen, mm-hmm. constant improvement we apply that philosophy in, into our everyday lives in the, all these different systems and businesses and everything like in society we can really create and sustain change because we're all going to be living by that mm-hmm. it's like oh it's okay that something is messed up like we're trying this new way of schooling for example um, well, we're kind of just trying it out. Well, the old way wasn't working. It's like, what do we have to lose? Like, we're going to try this, and if it doesn't work, we're going to try something else until it does work, until we get the desired result. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been talking about improving numeracy and literacy standards yeah. in this province for a few decades. Yeah. And, you know, at what point do you realize doing the same thing more, doing something broken more effectively mm-hmm. isn't going to solve your issue? Yeah. For sure it's not. He so that, yeah. you got to change and shift your perspective. And to that point, one thing that I've been trialing out is these things called sustainable development goals. And they have been, there's 17 goals that the United Nations, including mm-hmm. Canada, yeah. has come together and as yeah. a group of United Nations declared this an international priority to come together and address these goals. And those include... You know, no poverty, no hunger, social justice, climate action, and 17 of these goals to be achieved by 2030. And I, f- I think it will be extremely difficult to achieve those if they are not a- 
foundation within our education. Hmm. And so on a micro scale, I've been experiencing or experimenting with that, just using that as a lens for learning, yeah. forefronting that topic in class, using that as fuel for fodder, fuel for learning. And these kids are passionate and motivated to go out and change their world. Yeah. And they're doing it all through a lens of understanding where the issues are yeah. and putting that in the context of their own community. Where are gaps? How can we make a difference? Mm -hmm. And so these students become empowered and engaged with making a real change in their community. Yeah. And so my job as an educator is to light a fire, to give them the tools and the scaffolding that they need and then get out of their way. Mm -hmm. Get out of their way. Yeah. Because they are blowing things up. They're going and collecting recyclables and doing all of this without me saying a word. You know, and now so it's time to build in how do we set goals and how do we reflect? How yeah. do we put in processes to give and receive feedback and yeah. you know, reflect on our actions and the impact of those things. So I found it an incredibly valuable tool that I think I would recommend all educators to dive deeper into and, and humans. You know, I find it shocking the limited number of people who are even aware of these global goals or the sustainable development goals that mm -hmm. our countries are attempting to contribute to. Although we indirectly know them because we're aware of many issues and uh, obviously are doing piecemeal. but. It is cool to use that as a lens for measuring actions and, and moving forward Absolutely. for peace and prosperity on this planet. Yeah. I think collective goal setting is so important. Mm -hmm. That's freaking awesome. Um, well, I was going to ask you, does that relate to the thing you were telling me about earlier with the, uh, the um, bringing the global standard to community something like that yeah like, so along with being in the classroom this year i'm also at the district level yeah. and i'm trying to help bring out a model that creates a, a tighter link between schools and communities yeah because what we're observing is that there are tremendous amounts of community interest and community engagement but it's happening in pockets and pieces and extracurricular content often or you know just a teacher reaching out and making a connection and I really think there's value in systematizing that to take a load off of teachers to take a load off of administrators and districts mm -hmm. to say well yeah it takes a village to raise a kid yeah. and we have people who care about raising our children and let's bring all of these resources together let's get schools and figure out what their what their needs what their passions are what are teachers passions what are students interests mm -hmm. and how do we bring community resources and leverage what we have in in our communities in our respective communities to come in and support these initiatives whether that's grants whether that's hands on deck or mentorship mm -hmm. you know that the potential is endless yeah. but what is certain is that we are way stronger and more powerful together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's all super exciting to me like, that you're working on that. Is, is there other districts or any, anywhere else in Canada that's kind of on, on board with those things or doing their own thing? 
I think absolutely all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Uh, I it's a collective thing that's this sort is of happening. happening. Yeah. I I'm not familiar with this particular model yeah. um, that I'm proposing with an innovative educators cohort where we actually identify and it's an, on an opt-in basis where particular schools are interested yeah. and then they would select you know a handful of innovative educators that would be able to be pulled out of the classroom once or twice a month for professional learning sessions on how to take your kids outside and incorporate curriculum that way or how do you teach about the sustainable development goals or you know whatever have you and then come together and brainstorm ideas how do we engage our kids and what what are they interested in and then percolating that and filtering it into a community context bringing those needs there and seeing how they can help Mm-hmm. connect those to yeah. resources and to support to mobilize mm-hmm. ideas yeah. that are happening yeah. well and part of our needs is a sense of community and belonging and feeling like we're contributing right so that's, totally. a, that's a huge thing everyone wins well. there yeah 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 i think uh, something that ties in with all this uh is you know kids and everybody needs a sense of purpose and they need to feel like they're like i said contributing and um, do you feel like schools are starting to kind of empower children to realize like you have a purpose that like, you play an important role in the world regardless of what you do like we were a we're a world where we each have our own specialty and we're no one's more important than another I kind of see it as like you know just as we have bees for example you know they, they make honey but that's not all they do the main thing that they do is pollinate the flowers so that we can have food like they have an important role ants have their own role and humans to me are like that of their own like each individual human out there has a very specific unique role to play and that we have to discover that discover our, our purpose whether it's something that we create or something that we feel like we're destined to do whether it's a passion or it's, it's just an idea that we feel like we need to go and follow through with like I, I think that's what the whole world needs to focus on because like i personally i mean i massage a lot of people thousands of people and a lot of them come in stressed they're stressed because they're doing a job that they don't that's not fulfilling you know, they don't feel fulfilled doing that. Like, they are still making a contribution to society, and they actually are still just as important as the next person. The problem is they don't realize that because it's not something that they chose. Somebody might choose that. Somebody might want to want to do the job that they're doing because that's what they just want to do. You know, they're comfortable with doing that. Mm-hmm. But when you start to do something that you don't want to do, you're taking away from the harmonious nature of things. It's just natural, right? So do you feel like that's something that uh, schools are working on these days? Or Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. You know, kids? It's so, there's so many layers to <laughs> when we refer to school. You know, you have yeah. the policy drivers, the, the school building, you've got the administration, you've got districts, you've got the individual teacher. Yeah. And I think, I don't, I don't hesitate to say that almost every single teacher goes into that with the best of intentions to to nurture young minds and yeah. offer them a shot at life, you know, to, yeah. to reach their potential. Mm-hmm. I think it's important in the fast-paced life we're living in to step back and, and really contemplate that mm-hmm. and to see how 
you know, if you're to take an agricultural context and a, a child is a seed, how do we, a farmer is not making the seed grow, you know, yeah. they're not the one that's growing the seed. They are creating the conditions in which that seed can thrive. Yes. And educators, in, in whatever capacity or context, have to remember that we need to reflect on how are we creating the conditions, mm -hmm. the optimal conditions for every single seed to reach their full potential. Absolutely. How can every child be the best that they can be? Mm -hmm. And that is the humanness that we cannot forget amongst all of the outcomes and the expectations that we are human beings mm -hmm. dealing with human beings with real-world complexities that cannot be reduced to curriculum documents mm -hmm. and standardized objectives. Mm -hmm. Sorry, are you seeing a lot of students knowing what's going on in the world, like, like you said, wanting to make a change? Is that like pretty common for kids in schools these days or when they start to get older, they see the problems in the world and they... Do they feel like they want to make a difference, like at least when they're young? My kids, yeah. I can't stop. Them. Yeah, you know they, yeah. they are on fire with this. And yeah, absolutely. They probably see everything that's going on and just chaotic. They're like, "What? We need to fix this." Like, I don't want to live in a crappy world. Like, mm -hmm. I, I want to be able to drink from the water. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the 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 climate strike that we saw last year was yeah. a perfect example of that. Yeah, you know, kids being worried about the future of the planet and observing that collectively governments are, and institutions are not taking enough action to address the issues that we are facing mm -hmm. and handing down to these kids. They mass organized on an international scale to protest the inaction of our governments to move things forward at the speed in which they need to be done. Wow. These are student-led protests. Yeah. That's amazing. It's totally amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think small voices can make like big change for sure. Every yeah. action has they're, a ripple. They're, yeah, they're the, they're the loudest. Um, from the the first thing that you created, what was it called again? Just so we can have a name for it. That when you first went to school, did it have a name? The I had called the project Seeds of Change. Okay, Seeds of Change. Yeah, when you had the students and you you worked with them and then. Uh, there were 10 students. Yeah, the Very Student good. Learning Center is the, the yeah. place we called it inside. Yeah. What was the, like, after that all happened and you, you know, you kind of had to stop it, I guess. What, like, how did you feel at that moment? Like, what were your thoughts? Like, what did you start to do? You obviously felt pretty inspired because you, you made a difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, what did you learn from that all? Well, that you're bringing forth today. I learned that I'm absolutely on the path of doing yeah. what I need to do. Yeah. And it was pretty deflating and yeah. it took the wind out of the sails to, to see that, you know, that would be removed after such a positive impact. Yeah. And addressing a critical need that was shared across a wide spectrum of teachers and, yeah. and administrators and so on. But I am reassured in the work that I do, mm -hmm. in whatever capacity, yeah. that I believe we need to unleash the potential in children and engage in dialogue and action to think critically about what is genuinely best for them. Mm -hmm. 
and I am okay with making people uncomfortable to have those conversations because it's our duty and our responsibility to take care and nurture every single mind, heart, and spirit of the next generation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did other people kind of see what you did and want to reach out to you to try to help after that? After they saw the For sure, and there's been different schools who've been interested in the model. Yeah. We we have alternative learning sites at the high school level, mm-hmm. but not at the middle school. Mm-hmm. So you know it seems to be a post reactive approach. We're just scrambling at that age group, yeah. And then eventually can you know if they're not yeah. dropped out by that point, totally checked out. So uh, there are there have been administrators and teachers who've reached out and yeah. been curious about the model. And you know my hope is that. My, my idea was that if I can show the engagement and the interest that lights up from these kids that were traditionally and, and routinely disengaged, mm-hmm. then we can do that with every child. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things that stuck out to me that I read was how when the students begin to become more self-aware and question who they are and their purpose and the direction and to take a moment to, you know, take some deep breaths and just, just notice what's going on, going on around them in the present mm-hmm. moment, like how that made such a big impact. Mm-hmm. Cause they don't, like we're not used to doing that in this day and age. Like we're on social media, which is very, very stimulating. And, uh, you know, I think for me, I think that's a very important thing mm-hmm. to, to integrate within the educational system in all the schools stuff mm-hmm. is getting kids to just think about themselves mm-hmm. and their place in the world and to where they're sitting you know you can be sitting where you are like on this couch and your mind can be somewhere else in the world how often do we sing, uh, sit and think what's actually here you know the coffee cups on the table the poster behind us the, the way the couch feels when we're sitting on it the, the pain we have in our shoulder even mm-hmm. <laughs> you know all those things are are so important. It's interesting enough because social media it distracts us from a lot of things, especially being present. But it also brings awareness to a lot of other things that desperately need attention. Because when we have attention to problems and things that need to change, that's when we start to develop a passion, motivation to advocate for it. No. Yeah, it can be a tool. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Do you, so have teachers noticed th- these days that like are is technology becoming like a huge problem in classes and stuff? Would you say? Yeah. Like, you, yes. I yeah. mean, and it, it varies school to school depending on the policies. Yeah. But absolutely, you know, it, particularly at the older grade levels, it can be challenging because there's all other phones and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's about, I mean, when I was in school, I'd get distracted by, like, pieces of gum stuck under the table and mm-hmm. on a phone. <laughs> you yeah. heard stuff. It's a different time, for yeah. sure. And I think we're, we're yeah. recalibrating and, and trying yeah. to make sense and unpack. Yeah, it's certainly exciting times because, I mean, like, everything you're telling me about what you're doing and everything, like, it, it excites me because it... It's reassuring and comforting to know that people are working towards change. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there something that you feel the community or the the average person could do that would contribute to a positive change in 
like stuff that's hard to change, like the school system and stuff like that? Is there anything they could do to play a part in? Yeah, again, I, you know, to the, the point I made before is that we need to participate democratically in, in whatever and think critically about our institutions that serve us. Yeah. Uh, we still only have something like a 66% voter turnout, even in this last election. Mm-hmm. And even fewer people tend to engage in matters of social justice, in matters of climate action, in matters that are very pertinent to our own uh, well-being in this society. And I, I think it's a direct reflection of how we treat our most vulnerable populations mm-hmm. about how healthy our society is. And, and the fact that, you know, we can turn a blind eye to homelessness or we can we can not actively engage in, in different things. There's no ultimate mm-hmm. single solution. But to think critically to engage with one another beyond dialogue, beyond the screen, yeah. to get out and find out how, you know, in, in whatever capacity your interest is, there is an avenue to make your community and by extension your world a better place. Absolutely. Those are the fundamentals for change, right? Totally. And, and like you said, every, every little bit makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And there's no there's no one way but engage ask questions mm-hmm. take action because apathy is is a source of all evil mm-hmm. really if we step back and say well it's already broken or mm-hmm. you know 90 whatever percent of people are are not necessarily racist are not necessarily bigots are not necessarily sexist mm-hmm but a lot of them stay voiceless Mm -hmm. and even to use our voice and exercise our democratic right is extremely important Mm -hmm. in this day and age to get involved and to have our voice heard and to speak up and to participate and to talk to our MLAs and to work with our community organizations to move the needle forward Mm -hmm. you know it's it's a total shame that we can live in such a civilized world and yet there's people who don't get food on their plates at night and don't have a roof over their head. Oh yeah. You know, it, it's absolutely horrendous. Yeah. And we shouldn't move at that from shame, but we should really think critically and, and work extra hard on, on creating a place where everybody has an equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need to, it all, literally all just goes down to working with each other. Let me turn on this light. Yeah. It's really bright. There we go. Yeah. Um, I wanted to provide just an analogy towards all that. So, you know, we have the school system that needs change. and uh, I kind of like, the way I like to see it is, um, you know, myself, I was 285 pounds at one point. I lost 115 pounds. And it's almost like these systems have a health problem that we need to fix. And, you know, when it came to me with losing weight, how did I do that? I get asked all the time. And I actually had to, well, first it was the, the mindset. I changed my mindset. I had to see it was possible. I had to visualize, I had to believe it. And then I had to, um, when you see that something's possible, you start to put action into mm-hmm. it. And then action plus consistency equals results. But if you can apply that to the big 
picture of things, then that is what's really important, I believe. And I mean, it's just like, there, there isn't anything that can't be fixed or remodeled, you know. Totally. At all. Amen. You know, yeah. and to, to wrap things up, we're, we're making great strides. Absolutely. As, as humanity and people care. Yeah. And, you know, we, we can just continue to come together. We're stronger together. Let's keep the dialogue going and, and the action yeah. with consistency. We can make amazing things happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are your plans for the future going forward? Like, what are your intentions to, to bring forth towards your positions in the as a educator and in the district? Well, you know, ultimately it's about rehumanizing education, bringing yeah. it back to the fundamentals and... Yeah. And as you know, as you've heard on my journey, it manifests in, in different ways all the time. So to say exactly what that will look like, I'm not sure. Yeah. But right now, the focus is on sustainability, on mm-hmm. personal exploration of individuals' mm-hmm. worlds, and, and really empowering community and breaking down the borders of, of schools being these four walls in which a, a child goes to gather, and rather that you know learning is a, an organic process that happens. 24 7 and all of us are involved in that so my focus right now is really on on the broader picture of what learning and education means for for us as students as teachers and as citizens that's super exciting man i'm super pumped about that because just like i said just knowing that you're doing something and i'm excited to see like the results that you're going to produce and the ripple effect that you're going to have mm. the little bit that you're doing is just going to ripple out and I think that's a good way to end it is like the uh, whatever you're doing in your own life whether you're a massage therapist or a teacher or a policeman or or whatever like, do the best you can in your own life with your own family be the best version of you strive to become better and everything but be okay with messing up it's, it's okay and just think to yourself, how can I do better? And that itself is a recipe for change. And also be a leader, you know, and it starts leading yourself, right? Totally. So, yeah. Amen. Yeah, thanks for talking to me, Stu. And you don't mind if I um, paste the article onto my website? Or yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. In the show notes and stuff so people could read and get a better idea of what we're talking about. And, mm-hmm. And then maybe you can come back on and we could dive into a different lens on this topic another time. 100%. Thank you, man. Sweet. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to Best Interest Radio. If you like listening to the show, please leave an iTunes review. And if you'd like to, you can leave a donation using the PayPal link in the description to support my vision, which I believe is also our vision of creating a better world in our best interest. And be sure to subscribe for future episodes. And if you want to find me on social media, my Instagram handle is bestinterest.me, which is pretty much the same all around.